Amen. It's amazing because that first song we sang was titled Great Things, and it makes you think of, well, what great things are we talking about? Well, the next song talked about our God's undeserved mercy shown to us. That's a great thing that he has done. And then the next song focused on his amazing grace. And so when we think of the great things that God has done through Jesus, he has shown us some undeserved mercy, mercy we don't, we don't deserve. And he has shown us amazing grace, which we also do not deserve. That's what God has done for us. That's the great things. And so listen, I want you to picture yourself and imagine that you had been following Jesus for the last three years as one of his disciples. And so put yourself in that mentality. And over the last three years, you ate with him, you talked with him, you prayed with him, and you walked with him. You saw him teach. You saw him heal. You saw him cast out demons. You saw him provide and rebuke and perform miracles. And while you saw him do those things and while you did those things with him, throughout those three years, you heard him claim a few things. You heard him claim to be the son of God, the son of man. You heard him claim to be the way, the truth, and the life the King, the Messiah, and the Christ. And because of this, what you did, what you saw, what you heard, you had hoped that he was the one that was going to liberate Israel and that was going to change your life circumstances, that he was going to establish an earthly kingdom in which you could live in. Your hopes were high. And yet three days ago, everything changed. Jesus was arrested. He was interrogated. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was tried. He was condemned. He was killed. He died a criminal's death on a cross and then was buried. Everything that you had hoped in was gone. What would you do next? Honestly, if we were all honest with ourselves, we'd probably go home, wouldn't we? We'd probably go home, and that's exactly where we find two of Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Let's read it here. That same day, Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That's important to know. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all about the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked, 
Can we just pause for a moment and talk about how hilarious that is? Because of all people to know what things, the fullness of what had happened the last three days, it was Jesus. And so God does have a sense of humor, okay? Jesus asked the phrase, what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. These guys were on a seven-mile journey back to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and they were on this journey because everything they had hoped in was done. Jesus was gone. The movement was over. But on this road, Jesus shows up. He enters into their journey, okay? And what's remarkable to note is that Jesus was right there, but they didn't even realize it. Have you ever been looking for something in your house and you can't find it and you're frantically going about and yet it's right in front of your eyes? To me, it happens when I go to the fridge. Every time I go to the fridge, most of the time I open it up and I look for what I I want in the fridge. And of course, I don't move anything around. I look with my eyes because that's how you look in the fridge. And I can't see it, and so I call out to the fridge wizard, my wife, and no matter what's going on in that time, she knows exactly where it is. She calls out from the basement, it's far back, right? Oh, there it is. You see, it happens all the time in our lives. No matter, uh, we're going through circumstances, and sometimes the truth is right there in front of us. And so you have to ask the question, why? Why don't they realize it was Jesus? Well, in verse 16, we saw they were kept from recognizing him. You know, it was probably God that kept them from recognizing Jesus because he probably wanted to build up their faith or he wanted them to have this amazing experience with Jesus that they would never forget the rest of their lives. This experience is going to transform their entire lives, the trajectory of their lives. Maybe you can relate that way when you've experienced Jesus. It's changed your entire trajectory of life. But another reason why I think they didn't recognize Jesus is because of their circumstance. Because of their circumstance. They had just witnessed the horrific death of Jesus. They're not on this journey expecting Jesus to be on this seven-mile jump back to Emmaus with them. You know, sometimes our life's circumstance causes us not to see the truth right in front of us, right? Right? Sometimes we're going in life and we're so blinded from the truth because of what we're going through that we're not able to see it right in front of us. You see, another reason why these guys did not realize it was Jesus is that because they didn't realize it was Jesus because all that they hoped in was over. They were living a we-had-hoped type of life. A we-had-hoped type of life. Look at what verse 21 says. It says, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped. They had hoped Jesus was going to rescue the nation of Israel from its political bondage to Rome. 
They had hoped Jesus was the one who was going to come and change their life circumstances. But you know what these guys truly were doing? They were taking Jesus and they were trying to fit him into their small little box of who they think he should be and what they think he should do. They were saying, Jesus, you're here. Thank you. I'm going to put you in my little box so that you can only be here for my life circumstances. And so that begs us to ask, how often do we, how often do we take Jesus and try to fit him into our small little boxes? to only change our life circumstances, to only do things that we want him to do in our lives. How often do we do that? If we're all honest with ourselves, we do it a lot, don't we? Myself included. We want to take Jesus down from where he truly is, and we want to fit him into our little box so that he just comes through in our life circumstances. Let me ask you, though, What happens when he doesn't change our circumstance? What happens when he doesn't do what we are hoping him to do in this life? It's simple. We start to live a we had hope type of life. Do you notice there that that phrase we had hoped is past tense? They, they had hoped, which means it shows us that in the present, on this journey to Emmaus, they have no hope. They are living, truly living a life devoid of hope in this moment because they had hoped Jesus was going to do these things, and yet he was gone. And so the question we have to ask is how do we move from a we had hope type of life to a life that is full of hope. It's actually pretty simple. We have to realize who Jesus truly is and what he truly came to accomplish. And that's exactly what Jesus does with these guys. On this uh, journey to Emmaus, Jesus, right after Cleopas says this, he actually looks at them and he says, you fools, don't you understand what's going on here? Don't you understand what the scriptures have said about the Messiah and what he had to do? And you know what Jesus did? He walked them through the scriptures from Moses all the way to the prophets and showed them how the scriptures point to him and what he had to accomplish on the cross and what the resurrection meant for his people. Probably one of the greatest sermons of all time. And it's not recorded. And so Jesus shows up and he causes them and shows them that they need to realize who Jesus truly is. And you know, in the midst of that, as he's walking through the scriptures, he shows them that the scriptures are about him, not you. The Bible is not about us. The Bible is for us. Do you guys see the big difference there? I love how one author uh, says it. He says, listen, you and I are in the Bible too. It's our sins that killed Jesus. But he's the subject, he's the star, and he's the hero. But how often do we read the Bible and only want it to be about us? Honestly, when we do that, we step into a we had hope type of life like these disciples of Jesus. Where they don't truly realize who Jesus truly is. And so Jesus walks with them through the scriptures. He shows them how he is the one who had to come and he had to die 
and he had to resurrect. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is as that's happening, their hearts began to burn within them. Their hearts began to burn within them. Let's continue the story. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, which, by the way, is about seven miles. And so that's a pretty long sermon. Some of us can't even last 25 minutes, right? And so they're going seven miles, and Jesus acted as if he were going on. They were going home. So they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Jesus disappeared because their hearts were burning in them. When they get close to home, Jesus is like, all right, see you guys. And they're like, no, we want you to come into our house. That's so important to note here because, listen, Jesus didn't force himself into their home. He waited until he was invited. And that's important for us to note today because often, how often do we sit back and just kind of wait for God to do something miraculous, to write our names in the clouds, to do something huge and miraculous? And yet, maybe he's just waiting for us to invite him in. Maybe he's right there and all he wants us to do is say, come on and see what happens. That's exactly what these guys do. And Jesus comes in, and as he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it, their eyes were open, and they realized that the stranger was the risen Savior. Honestly, I don't know about you, but this brings my mind, maybe they were in the upper room the night Jesus broke the bread, and they saw that firsthand. And now they're seeing it again, and it jogged their memory. You see, the, the Savior is the risen Christ. It's the one that they can now have hope in. The stranger was the risen Savior. And then he disappears. And then I love how the reaction here. Uh, they said to each other, they looked at each other and said, oh, you too? They said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? It's almost as if it's like, Oh, my word, we knew from our hearts that this truly was Jesus. And listen, that makes sense because faith comes from the heart, not the sight. I love how Luke differentiates that for us. When they're on this journey home, they've lost hope. They're sad. They don't realize it. They don't recognize Jesus with their hearts. But as Jesus reveals himself through the scriptures, you know what happens? Their hearts begin to burn because faith flows from the heart, not sight. Faith flows from the heart, not our sight. And again, how often do we walk through life trying to have faith with our eyes and not our heart? Their hearts burned within them. They realized it was Jesus, and then they saw. And because of that, they now have this crazy hope in Christ because they know that he is alive. And so within the hour, they were headed back to Jerusalem to go tell everybody that Jesus has risen. And we see that in verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road. They could not stop talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ because they now have moved from a we had hope type of life to a we have hope type of life. 
Do you see the difference here? One is past tense. When you try to fit Jesus into this little box and he doesn't come through, all of a sudden you had hope and he didn't come through and you get let down time and time again. But when you realize the resurrection and the importance of it, you realize that we can have hope in any circumstance that we go through in life. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we can move from this past tense of having hope to a very present tense of having hope in our lives. And so why can we have hope? Because listen, without the resurrection of Jesus, we are still in our sins. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we are still separated from God. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we would still be under the penalty of our sin and rebellion against God. The resurrection is key for us to moving from a we had hope type of life to a life that's full of hope. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God kicked them out of the garden, which means it signified that they were outside of God's presence And yet through the cross of Jesus Christ, what happened in the temple with the temple curtain? It was torn from top to bottom, wasn't it? Which signified that through Christ, we now can move, enter back into the presence of God. And yet without the resurrection, that's not possible for us today. Without the resurrection, we don't have that hope of life now and life eternal. And so let me just say this. When, whatever you're going through in life right now, whatever season you're at in life, the decision is yours. You can either walk through life with a very past tense, we had hope type of way. Trying to fit Jesus into your own small little box and, and placing your hope in him only to change your life circumstance. But You know what that happens is when you get let down and you get let down and you get get let down and he doesn't do what you ask for. You know what, what what that will do? That will cause us to develop anger and bitterness toward God and others. Maybe you feel that today. Maybe when you're fitting Jesus in this little box, you're developing this bitterness toward God that he doesn't deserve. And so you can live that way or... Or by faith in Jesus and his resurrection, you can embrace the fact that he is alive and have hope now and for eternity. No matter the circumstance of life that we're going through. And that's the key right there. We go through life and we have some tough circumstances, don't we? Maybe you're dealing with one right now. And a lot of times we feel like there's no hope in that moment, but yet there's always hope because Jesus is alive. Marriage isn't going well. There's always hope because Jesus is alive. Your finances may not be good. There's always hope because Jesus is alive. No matter the circumstance we are going through in life, when we have faith in Jesus and his resurrection, we can always have hope. We always have this foundation to rely on. We have the sure and steadfast love of the Lord. 
I can confidently say this today because Jesus himself has revealed it in his word, that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And he can say that because he is alive and he is our living hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the fact that we don't have to go through life like, like the two disciples walking to Emmaus, heads held low, sad, living without hope. And yet we can be like the disciples headed back to Jerusalem full of hope because you are alive. You have defeated sin. You have defeated death. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. God, I pray that you would make that so vivid in our minds today. That no matter our circumstance, we can get to tomorrow. No matter what we're going through, we can make it through today. Because you're present today and you're already in our tomorrow and we praise you for that. We thank you for the fact that you are our living hope. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.